The Commercial Real Estate Show is an informative radio program for thought-provoking enlightenment. The show, nor the station, host, or guest through this show audio are providing legal, accounting, or other fiduciary advice. For representation to suit your specific requirements, engage an experienced professional familiar with your company, property sector, and market area. For recommendations to professional providers to suit your endeavors, you're invited to contact the host at commercialrealestateshow.com. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, I believe we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. If you have any questions or comments about today's topic or any commercial real estate related endeavors, you're invited to reach out to us by Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, LinkedIn, email, or the old-fashioned telephone. You can find them all at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're considering some of the factors in the current market affecting a company's lease versus purchase decision, including some of the extraordinary factors on the purchase side of the decision at this point in the cycle. You know, it's an interesting time if you own or run a company or if you advise those who do. You know, buying may not be a good option for some companies. However, with prices of properties in some areas well below replacement cost, a good selection of available properties in some markets, and certainly bargain interest rates, it's certainly smart to look at purchase options if you have a lease expiring soon or need more space. Another factor is where we are in the cycle. I mean, in the, we're in the recovery part of the cycle, right, which has historically been a great time to buy commercial real estate. We also have the FASB lease accounting changes. They're possibly going to have this situation where tenants are going to have to put leases on their balance sheet, so that could also affect it. Well, please work, welcome my first guest, Eric Intringer, Senior Manager, Transaction Advisory Services, Transaction Real Estate at Ernst & Young. EY is a multinational professional services firm headquartered in London. EY is one of the big four accounting firms with 167,000 employees and more than 700 offices in more than 140 countries. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be on. Well, we appreciate it. And, and let's talk about it in a general sense at first. I mean, if a company's trying to decide whether to, to buy or lease, uh, what should the main objective be of company's real estate, Eric? Yeah, look, for, for most companies, real estate is a means to an end. It's there to serve the business. So companies have to decide and look at their corporate strategy first and think about overall where they're going as a company and where what their position is in the market and let real estate serve them. Um, you know, if a company's in a growth stage and they, you know, fast expansion stage and is a tech company that's just been incubated with money, owning real estate might not be the right thing for them. You know, they, they, they have a strategy where they, they hope to grow and, and prosper in the near term, but they don't know. So, it, it, you know, maybe the lease option is the right thing to do for them at that time. But the point is they really need to understand where they are in their life cycle as a company and use the real estate to help support their overall objectives. Yeah, that makes good sense. Uh, not let uh, real estate rule the decision, but let your company and your, your company decisions rule it. And, you know, if a company is considering buying, should they weigh the return investment on the real estate with the opportunity of investing in their business? 
Absolutely. You know, you, you really need to look at what's the best use of your money. Uh, again, the incubator uh, tech company that's just been incubated with new capital. Well, what's the best use of their money? Typically, it's going to be to invest in the business and, and achieve a return that's substantially greater than most real estate uh, returns that you can make. So you need to know what your returns are in your business and what your projections are and understand what type of returns you could potentially make in real estate and weigh those options and make sure you make the right investment decision based on your company's cost of capital and and what your return expectations are for wherever you're going to invest your money. Right. That's a good point. I mean, if you can get a 25 or 30% return invest in your business, you may not want to be investing in real estate. You may want to use that cash there. Well, you know, buying real estate can expand a company's options down the road as well. For example, at companies that buy and later have substantial equity in their real estate, you know, they may benefit from a sale leaseback. Uh, Eric, how might a company use and structure a sale leaseback to their advantage? Yeah, a sale leaseback structure is a great way to extract cash uh, from your business and, and reinvest it or distribute it as shareholders, whatnot. But what you're going to want to do is if, if you bought real estate early on in the cycle, as you mentioned, and you've been sitting on it and your company's strong and, and, and stable, that is the best time to really be looking at sale leaseback options. And what you're basically doing is you're going to sell off your real estate take back a medium-term length lease, that is what adds the value to the real estate to the investor. So you're going to get a great price on your real estate, be able to take that money off the table, have a lease in place so you still control the real estate from an operation standpoint for your business, but you have cash in hand today and use it for reinvestment in your business or, like I said, distribution to your shareholders or if it's a private company uh, to invest in a new business or, or whatnot. Uh, key, one of the key uh, items with a sale leaseback is to make sure you structure it properly so it does get off the books too. And that, there's two basic things you need to consider is how long your lease term is and if uh, your total payments versus uh, the total value of the real estate. As long as you consider those two things and you're not doing a, a, a super long lease term and uh, don't have your, your payments equaling the fair value of the real estate, you'll be able to get that lease off your books too uh, in the near term until the lease accounting rules change. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, in some cases in this current market where we have vacant buildings, in some cases a tenant can actually uh, buy a building and, and lease the entire thing for themselves. And, and so they take a buy a building vacant and then they lease it. Now it's full. They put a 10 or 15 year lease on it. It becomes a very valuable asset and very sellable. So it's possible in some cases to do a sale lease back immediately and uh, put some money in the coffers. And, and you mentioned the tax angles of these leases and, and the upcoming FASB lease accounting changes. You know, where are we with the lease accounting changes with FASB and what could that mean for a company in their lease versus purchase decision? Yeah, the, the lease accounting changes have been being floated around for a while now. Uh, where we are right now is there's a new exposure draft out uh, that the FASB, who's uh, the governing body uh, for generally accepted accounting principles, has uh, this draft out that comments are due back September 13th. But basically, the, the crux of it is they're proposing that leases 
for real estate leases are going to end up being on the balance sheet uh, of the companies. So if you're the lessee, you'll be bringing them on balance sheet and uh, recording that right of use and the liability uh, from a right uh, from a lease payment standpoint. Um, that's what their proposal is. Uh, they've been talking about it for a while. Uh, it is uh, in line with international accounting standards and where they're going. It is going to come. It's just a question of when. Uh, but it w will be bringing those leases on balance sheet. will have a major effect throughout, uh, throughout the U.S. So as far as your balance sheet goes, then that lease will be the same, have the same effect on your balance sheet as purchasing would, right? It'll have a very similar effect, exactly. Uh, the only major difference is, is, is if it's a shorter-term lease, obviously it has less of an uh, asset and liability on your balance sheet, less of that liability uh, versus a, a long-term asset being on your books. If you have debt financing on it that's long-term, much bigger liability there, obviously. Uh, but it can even be a two- to three-year lease, and it will end up being on balance sheet and obviously affecting your return on assets and also affecting uh, your overall debt levels. Right. And, you know, buying for your business should be right for the right location. It should be right for, for your business. And, uh, and, the, and the math should work as well. But there's also some... Uh, tax advantages as well, right, Eric? Yeah, there's basically three primary tax advantages mm -hmm. to uh, buying real estate. For one, you get the, the depreciation and any amortization uh, write-offs on the tax side. Non-cash charge uh, that you're writing off, uh, so more cash in your pocket from, uh, from a tax perspective. The other one is with uh, ownership, you can do cash-out refinances. Um, so that are non-taxable. So you can take money off the table if your real estate's appreciated with a, a refinance and pay no taxes in the near term. The third big advantage uh, is, is the 1031 exchange. Uh, so you can exchange investment property for investment property yeah. and move up the ladder on your investment and not pay taxes uh, in the near term. Those are the three primary advantages in my opinion. There's also can be a whole host of other advantages such as economic incentive zones if you purchase an economic incentive zone but those are secondary advantages in my opinion that's right well eric thanks for joining us today we appreciate you being with us thank you i appreciate the time if you like more from ernst and young visit ey.com i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back the Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the latest intel on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcasts. For example, we just produced separate shows on the office, industrial, and the retail markets, and another informative show on management strategies that add value. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. You can access the shows on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're considering some of the factors in the current market affecting a company's lease versus purchase decision. 
please welcome my next guest, Daniel Latshaw, an MBA, a CCIM, and a partner with Bull Realty, a U.S. commercial real estate sales and consulting firm headquartered in Atlanta. Daniel's practice focuses on helping companies and nonprofits with their commercial real estate needs. Daniel, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Thank you. Also, please welcome Deborah Heron. Deb is a CPA and a senior VP with Georgia Small Business Capital, which is a CDC, a certified development company, a nonprofit company designed to assist borrowers and lenders to utilize the SBA 504 loan program. And they work in Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. Deb, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Well, we appreciate it. And, and Daniel, I'd like to start off with some advice that you would give a company that comes to you and they're saying well we don't know if we should buy or lease you know what are some of the first question questions that you ask a company who's considering new space requirements uh, and is possibly open to buying well my, Michael first and foremost as was alluded to earlier mm -hmm. we'd ask about the company mission mm -hmm. you know simply put your facilities decisions should mirror that strategy and decision-making from the top, from your mission. But to getting down to the nitty-gritty, we ask questions such as, you know, what, what kind of growth do you expect? Um, do you see relocation? Do you see downsizing? Do you see uh, growth, you know, in the future for your space? On the uh, horizon, uh, these are all going to affect lease first purchase. What's your threshold for pain? And there's some work to be done if you own real estate. There's management involved. Uh, painful, how, painful. painful. <laughs> <laughs> how important are our location? How important are signage? We talked about tax issues. And ultimately it comes down to what's, what's your cost of capital. In other words, what sort of return does your business generate? Let's take a pro forma of real estate and compare the two and see what's the best use for your capital. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And they also need the right type of space in, in the right location, right? So if their build business is going to flourish, they have to be in the right location. So if they can't find the right location to buy, I guess leasing is typically going to offer more uh, location options, right? That's right. We, we try to encourage our clients uh, not to put their blinders on. Sometimes people think, I'm, I'm going to buy. Dadgum and I'm going to buy, <laughs> or dadgum and I'm going to lease. Mm -hmm. But to uh, really, uh, you know, purchasing space is not for everyone. Yeah. And, and yes, um, leasing provides flexibility uh, that, that purchase doesn't. I mean, for instance, in that case of location, we find probably for every, uh, you know, for, for a dozen lease spaces, you might find one building in that submarket for, for sale. Right, right. You know, that's interesting because I think one of the concepts today that we have uh, in our current market is in, and in some cities and in some areas uh, you do have better locations uh, better choices to buy so I think that's one of the remarkable things about the timing that we currently have is is there are some good choices sometimes and, you know and sometimes a company can actually reduce their occupancy costs by buying and, and or, or maybe at least control their costs from escalating every year <clears throat> uh, can you share the the typical math in a lease first purchase uh, analysis Sure, sure. Yes, uh, there, there initially is an a, a cash outlay, but after that, really mm -hmm. on paper, when you stack up <clears throat> occupancy costs, lease first purchase, in most cases, I think the math points to purchase. Mm -hmm. Take a building that we worked on uh, at $823,000, 10% down, 5% interest rate, 20-year <clears throat> amortization. Deb will tell me if that's uh, legitimate for this market, but I believe it is. And that's add correct. taxes, insur insurance costs to maintain the property, 
and compare that with a lease space at 18 bucks a square foot. All things basically being equal, your monthly outlay for purchase, 7,400, lease, 9,100. That's a $1,700 savings for purchase, bam! <laughs> you know, as the infomercial guy says, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Or you could sell Sham Wow doing that. <laughs> but that's only year one. Yeah. And investors sometimes hyperventilate about the initial uh, yield. Down payment. Yeah. Uh, first year. But that's not why people buy real estate. Yeah. You know, look at it over t 10 years, the lease. Well, it escalates, you're, you're, whereas your uh, mortgage payment is fixed. And you choose to purchase, well, guess what? After 10 years, you've saved up, in this example, 281000 by way in the form of principal reduction, and not to mention your building's appreciated. Yeah, so that's interesting. So instead of having escalating rents every year that, I don't know about you, but every lease I've done, uh, typically, well, not everyone, but most every one of them escalates annually. Uh, and then if, you've, if you have fixed in your interest rate, you've, you've pretty much got a fixed in cost if you buy, right? Absolutely. Um, and then you're getting some return. So you also have that principal reduction uh, every year that you own the property. Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting. You know, I've, I've been in this business 30 years, and when I've sold buildings for business owners, it's interesting. I've heard this a lot, that, you know what, they went in kicking and screaming <laughs> to buy their building. <laughs> they didn't really want to buy. They bought it because they were tired of moving, or they were tired of their interest rates. I mean, their uh, rent's going up every month, and they didn't really want to buy, but they bought. But then what they tell me is that, boy, it's, it, it was a surprise to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it was this windfall that they didn't even think about when they were buying. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden, I think when, you, when you're running a business or you own a business, time flies when you're paying bills, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> what? It's been uh, 10 years now. And then you look down, you've got a lot of equity, right? Absolutely. Uh, according to the Urban Lands Institute and Ernst & Young recent report, office rents are projected to increase 4% each year for 2014 and 2015. And that's not even with a doomsday prediction of inflation. Mm -hmm. So in other words, uh, commercial real estate is a fantastic hedge against inflation. And you know, I, like you, I could tell you story after story of folks who, even if they didn't perfectly time the market when they bought their business mm -hmm. location for their business, 10, 20 years passes by like a dream in the night. They come to me near retirement to sell their building and they, you know, they say to me, hey, you know, my business, it was the skills that paid the bills. You know, it was what, uh, how I made a living, but I quietly accumulated wealth over the years just by simply making my monthly payments. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and we're short on the break, but uh, if you could touch on Daniel on pricing, I mean, in some cases, prices are available below replacement costs. Uh, tell us what you see there. Absolutely. CoStar actually in one of the recent reports pegged Atlanta office rates, uh, office sale prices on average at 113 a square foot. Mm -hmm. uh, that's cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, that's well below replacement costs and that's what we're finding. Uh, you can't build it for that. Prices are going up and, and I don't believe there's ever been a better time to buy. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I talked to a bunch of accountants and construction folks before the show and said, you know, if you tried to average a cost per square foot, to, to replace an office property, you know, what would you use? I mean, you've got the soft costs, the land costs, development costs, you've got, you know, the zoning costs, and, you, and then you've got the sticks and bricks and everything else. And they said roughly you could use 150 bucks. 
so what you're saying you know <clears throat> roughly 37 bucks a square foot mm-hmm. under replacement costs is kind of hard to go wrong there isn't it can't go wrong yeah as a matter of fact uh, i've listed a, a building bank owned downtown mm-hmm. atlanta 12,000 square foot office condo for 59 bucks a square wow. foot all right i want to hear more about that we got to take a break here more on lease first purchase decisions i'm michael bull this is the commercial real estate show we'll be right back the commercial real estate show is brought to you in part by france media france media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262 Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You're invited to check out our YouTube channel. There are three sections of videos there. There's a market updates channel where there's updates on office, retail, industrial, and some of the smaller sectors. Uh, There's also a section on market intel, commercial real estate intel, and there's videos there on uh, leases, contracts, uh, broker agent strategies, uh, and then there's a section on available properties. So just visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're considering some of the factors in the current market affecting a company's lease versus purchase decision. We have Deb Heron here with us today and Daniel Latshaw. And, and Daniel, I'd like to ask you about the lease versus purchase decision when it comes to visibility. I mean, I think you, you typically see a lot of companies lease in a multi-tenant office building where they don't have a lot of visibility. Well, sometimes they can go buy that smaller building and maybe buy a freestanding building and, and then have visibility and signage and that sort of thing. Have you seen that benefit some of the uh, tenants who have become uh, owners? Absolutely. If you own, Michael, an insurance agency, real estate company, mm-hmm. <laughs> hypothetically, um, Hypothetically. Law firm, dental practice. You want to have a presence in that community, and, and bricks and mortar is a great way to have that, that presence. In other words, why be down the street in a big multi-tenant, you know, hidden away building when, uh, you know, people can pass you by all the time? And if they know where you are, they, it's, it's easier to visit. Uh, look, and it's hard to quantify uh, the value of owning a building with that kind of exposure, but... Uh, Try shopping for billboard space. You'll find out. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you can pay a lot of money for a billboard, and maybe you get that uh, with a building. You can look at the traffic counts and see if that's mm-hmm. advantageous to you, especially if, you're, if your practice or your business. Uh, I know we had a couple of law firms that recently bought buildings on major thoroughfares, and, um, you know, I think they're benefiting greatly by having their sign out in those communities and mm-hmm. picking up that Absolutely. business. Well, we talked about cycles briefly mm-hmm. um, in, in the show so far and, and how buying in a recovery portion has historically been a, a great time to buy. I mean, we, we know it will cycle, right? There's no question real estate cycles. It's, it's really guessing how long that cycle is going to take and how deep or, or high mm-hmm. it's going to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you, <clears throat> you can bet more equity and more pre-leasing and more guarantees will, will be required to obtain construction loans for quite a while. So. You know, I think we're still going to have levels of, of low construction levels. And, and what has that done to, to values lately and rents? And how might this, this affect the market going forward? If you're deciding to lease or purchase, mm-hmm. if there's little to no construction coming down the pike, what does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's no secret that there's mm-hmm. been very little development mm-hmm. over the past five years. And, and even projects that Shh, are planned. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> tell or, everybody, Daniel. <laughs> or projects under construction are still yeah. months or years away. Yeah. So the current positive absorption rate mm-hmm. is expected to continue. 
uh, you know, if you look specifically at the average square footage of new deliveries of office product over the last 30 years, according to CoStar, in any single year, it tends to be 150 million square feet. Last few years, we've seen 51 million, 31 million, 36 million, 53 million. Yeah, we're going to see some upward pressure on rents in the next few years because of the lack of supply. There's very little product that's come out. Yeah, I think even in markets that have we're hit pretty hard. Uh, if you take Atlanta for example, you know there we're now seeing that market see some rate increases, mm-hmm. and we're seeing the incentives go away. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we're all going to be a little surprised, having just been beat down, you know, in this recession mm-hmm. as we all have, yeah. that how high, how fast rents could go up when you have this severe lack of, of new construction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's going to be interesting to see. Now, of course, if you're leasing, then you're going to have to deal with those rates. Um, if you're owning, well, maybe you benefit from those rates. So again, you know, buying may not be right for everyone and every company, uh, but it's certainly an incredible time to, uh, to look at it and uh, consider if it's right for you. Daniel, the prices right now and where we are in this recovery in, in some markets, vacant buildings or buildings that have a lot of vacancy are really discounted price-wise. <clears throat> but then again, if you in the investment market is hot, so fully leased buildings are very hot and very valuable. What could that mean for a tenant that, that's buying a vacant building and then <clears throat> filling it up with their, with their company? It's an awesome opportunity. <clears throat> There's a dynamic that's going on in Atlanta and a lot of markets across the country. That, uh, this of, of haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. If a building has a tenant, it has value. If, if, if it doesn't, it's very limited. And you can pick up buildings on the cheap. Uh, so here you come, Mr. or Mrs. Potential Owner-Occupant, and you possess the key to unlocking real estate value. I mean, the moment you sign that lease with yourself, guess what? You know, you've added tremendous value, which some businesses might even tap, tap into for themselves immediately in the form of a sale lease back. I mean, back to the $59 square foot uh, downtown Atlanta uh, office bank owned that just put on the market. And what's that gonna be worth the moment a company buys it and does a sale lease back? I'd say double value overnight. Yeah, I wanna get into that. And more on the lease versus purchase analysis. I'm Michael Bull. You're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some incredible shows coming up for you, including a show on tax credits to save you money on taxes, a show on group investing and the changes in advertising for investors and crowdfunding, and a show on commercial real estate associations. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing some of the factors in the current market affecting a company's lease versus purchase decision. We have uh, Deb Heron with Georgia Small Business Capital with us today and Daniel Alatshaw with Bull Realty. And Deb, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the, the lending side because, you know, it's a special time, really. I think that's one of the factors that, that's pretty special in the lease versus purchase decision analysis right now 
interest rates are, are really low. I mean, historically speaking, lenders seem to really be interested in owner occupants. So, you know, why are lenders so interested in doing owner occupied loans right now? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Michael, thank you again for having me on the show. Um, very simply put, uh, lenders are interested in commercial owner-occupied uh, financing over investment property because it has lower risk. And um, it's kind of like, like a home, right? Owner-occupant homes do. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it also gives them the opportunity to build a relationship with that particular borrower because every bank that I work with today uh, is all about relationship lending and not just making a loan, but also the products and services that go with every operating company, such as depository accounts, cash management services, et cetera. So they're trying to build relationships, and, and it's a good way to get their foot in the door. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're basically seeing all different types of banks, anybody who's lending out there interested in uh, these types of loans, mm -hmm. and the competition's very, very steep, especially if the operating company that is going to be in the actual uh, building uh, is performing well. Right. And, and tell us a little bit about the CDCs around the country. I mean, CDCs are, are a nonprofit, <clears throat> and they're out there around the country to, to help borrowers and lenders uh, with these SBA loans, right? That's correct. Um, there are certified development corporations in mm -hmm. every single state. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, all states have multiple mm -hmm. certified development corporations. Mm -hmm. So they can actually roll out this SBA 504 loan program with their bank partners to the end user, the borrower. Um, interesting enough, you know, I, I always have to say, being here in Atlanta, that, um, you know, CDC does not serve us as well here in this market. <laughs> um, sometimes people ask, why are you bringing somebody from the Center of Disease Control out? <laughs> Um, to 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 talk about a building loan, but we are actually a certified development corporation. Okay, and the down payments uh, can be pretty leveraged on SBA. What what's uh, what what's the range of down payments for SBA versus conventional right now? Well, that that's a great question, and that's a real selling. Um, point for SBA loans. Mm -hmm. um, what we're seeing for conventional today, because of everything that's happened in the economy, um, anywhere down payments will be from 15% up to 25%. And that's really going to depend um, upon not just the borrower, but the property type. So that's very important. With SBA loans, in comparison, it allows the borrower to, to preserve their working capital because most of the time they're going to be looking at a 10% down payment. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. The only time that we would vary from, from that would be if the actual borrower is considered to be a startup, uh, and that means they've been in business for less than two years, mm -hmm. or uh, the property is special purpose. And in that case, the SBA will require an additional 5%. So um, it's just, it's very, very attractive for the borrower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. Now, um, this show is, is broadcast in 12 stations around the country right now and this weekend. And, uh, but the show will be popular for, for a long time on the Internet and uh, iTunes and things. So I preface this next question with that in case interest rates have changed. But what are you seeing for interest rates right now on these loans? Well, interest rates, um, ironically enough, they have been hovering in the fours for a long mm -hmm. period of time. And um, I probably would say for the last um, 12 to 18 months, that's what we have been seeing. But recently, we've seen an uptick in interest rates. They're, they're, they're now in the, um, I would say, low to, to mid 5% range. Um, but, you know, these are great rates because mm -hmm. they get locked in long term. 
And um, I was actually just, you know, trying to jog my memory on prime rate, you know, and, you know, we have been in this economy for so long now, and it's at 3.25% today, Mm -hmm. um, but we forget. Um, back December of just 2007, which is really not that long ago, it was actually 7.25%. So um, we, we've been in this false sense of a low prime rate environment. Uh, so I would suspect interest rates are slowly but surely going to start increasing. Okay. And are you typically going to get a lower interest rate with an SBA loan or with a conventional? Typically, you're going to see the same uh, interest rate. Once again, it goes back to who is the borrower, how strong is the borrower, and they're going to look at the financial history of that particular borrower. Uh, The difference really is going to be a bank is going to have much more incentive to lock in that interest rate longer term with an SBA product uh, versus doing it on a conventional basis. And, and, And the reason being, especially under the SBA 504 loan program, is because they're going to end up having probably no more than 50% of that total loan where the SBA is going to take you know up to 40% of that 504 loan. So therefore they have a, lo- a lower uh, risk, you okay. know, a lower loan to value. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. More on the lease first purchase decision and more on these SBA loans. I'm Michael Bull and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing lease versus purchase analysis and the extraordinary circumstances with that decision in the current market. My guests are Deb Heron and Daniel Latshaw. And Deb, I'd like to ask you the difference between the SBA 504 and the SBA 7A. What are the basic differences in those programs? Absolutely. Um, it's a great question, and I get asked that question quite often. Um, the SBA 504 uh, loan program was really designed to help um, business owners finance commercial owner-occupied real estate. And that can be either an existing building that they need to do renovations to, or it can actually be ground-up construction, which we actually see that from time to time for some of our smaller businesses. Um, In addition, I always like to say the best way to describe a 504 loan is you create a bucket of dollars and you put in eligible costs. Um, You can also include FF&E and equipment. Um, and closing costs, as long as the key, the appraisal supports ultimately the loan values. But um, the, the primary difference is I like to break down between a 504 and a 7A really kind of come into four areas or four categories. One, the 504 loan program is a shared loan program where the 7A is done solely by the bank and the bank is actually getting a guarantee from the SBA. But going back to my um, example of a bucket of dollars, um, you create this bucket of dollars under the SBA 504 loan program, and, and the bank comes in and typically does a 50% first mortgage, and we follow suit behind with a, up to a 40% second mortgage. So once again, a shared loan program. Secondly, um, the 504 loan program is known for having long-term fixed rates. What we're seeing from our bank partners, uh, normally they'll lock in that first mortgage rate for uh, 10 years, possibly with a 20-year amortization. And then the SBA is actually always behind in a 20-year fixed rate. So the benefit for the borrower is to get a blended, blended fixed rate. Third would be collateral. 
And um, under the 504 loan program, the bank takes a first position on the assets that we're financing, and the SBA takes a second. So outside of personal guarantees, which are required on, on all loans, as you guys know, um, most loans, I should say, um, that's all the collateral. So in comparison, on the 7A, um, they could take a blanket filing on all of the business assets. They could also be required, if there's a shortfall in collateral, to take a, a lien on your personal residence. Yeah, I've heard that with the 7A. Yes. Right. And so, and so a lot of borrowers shy away from that. They yeah. really just want the business debt to be supported by business assets, okay. just simply put. Okay. And then finally, the fees. Um, there are fees associated with this program, SBA fees, and the 7A tends to have um, higher fees than the 504 because, you know, once again, simply put, the 504 is just four, up to 40% of the loan where the 7A is a, a much larger um, dollar amount. Okay. And I've heard since the 7A is the total loan amounts with the bank and, and, and basically half of it is with the 504, I've heard some people say that the loan officers maybe push you to the 7A because they big, get a bigger fee. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That That's a real possibility. So yeah. I always, always mention to my borrowers, know your options. Because at the end of the day, they need to understand if they're going to their lender, they need to understand, hey, am I, would a conventional solution be available to me for what I'm looking to do? They need to also uh, be, be smart enough to ask questions about not just SBA in general, but the actual two uh, primary programs, which is the SBA 504 loan program and the SBA 7A. Okay. Well, our fun has to end here soon. Can you give us a quick tip for our listeners, Deb? I think the best thing I can offer uh, anyone out there listening is to, to do your homework. If you are looking to finance commercial owner-occupied real estate, you need to understand from your lender what are the options and ask a lot of questions. And consider maybe running this by another lender, too, to make sure that you're getting all the information that's out there. And this is going to help you make the best decision that you can for your business. All right. Well, Deb, uh, Daniel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you can join us next week. We're going to talk about real estate syndication strategies. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.